0: Welcome to the first of the Halloween Free Stories. I'd like to thank our new patrons this month. Quailman, Siege72, and Nicola Burton. In addition to the two free stories this month, patrons get to listen to another two exclusive stories on top of that. You can gain access to those extras and all previous exclusive stories on a private RSS feed for just $1 per month. Go to patreon.com slash khp to find out more. Now, September was a big month for the show. I've been writing during most of my free time, and I've recorded as a co-host on the Cozy Sundays podcast. This episode is How Would You Survive an Apocalypse of Your Choosing? The episode is coming soon. The link to his show is in the show notes. The podcast has also crossed a few milestones. First, we've passed 1,400 downloads. That's amazing, for just over two months of existing. Second, we've passed the first Patreon goal of $12 per month. Passing this goal means that the hosting platform the podcast uses is now totally paid for by you. I've been blown away by the support in both downloads and in patrons. I truly do not know how to put this into words. I guess the best way to do it is to start our first Halloween special. KHP 005 decorations. My name is Marcus Pruitt. Three years ago, I moved into a small suburban development south of Dorseyville, Pennsylvania, with my wife and three-year-old daughter. If you live in the area, you know that Dorseyville has been in the news every year for the past decade or so. Every year, around the beginning of fall, between September and and the end of October, a child goes missing from the area. Usually, the child doesn't reside directly in the epicenter of Dorseyville, but in one of the suburban developments nearby. My family and I moved into one of these developments because the cost of homes was harshly driven down due to these disappearances each year. You see, the child doesn't just go missing and are never seen again. They're eventually found, usually around the beginning of November. Due to the extensive area that children have been taken from, search parties always go out in droves, searching the nearby woods for miles around Dorseyville, looking for any sign of them. The child is usually found about a mile away from their home. Other times, though, They could be found on the complete opposite side of the city, four or five miles away, across a large river and over a few major roadways. The children just don't run off each year. Every child is found in a small, man-made clearing, resembling a little stage. Halloween decorations litter the area, setting little scenes. A tombstone here, a pumpkin there, But always, front and center, was the missing child, murdered, and posed in a grotesque fashion. These details, though, are left out of the news reports, because many view it as edgy or taboo to talk about. Call it morbid curiosity, or taking advantage of children's death, but I jumped at the chance to purchase a house in Dorseyville, It was just over 20 minutes to Pittsburgh, and suburban enough that it was quiet during the afternoons and weekends, no loud noises of the city plaguing my ears. We noticed quickly, after moving in, the children in the area are very rarely left unsupervised to play or to socialize. Parents were in fear that their child would be next. We were a bit more rational. When September and October came, we supervised our child much more closely, waiting for some other poor sap's kid to be taken and found. Then we would relax on our helicopter parenting until the fall of next year. The first year after moving in, I noticed that I have this neighbor. He's different from others in the development. Most of our homes are larger, country-style French homes. A nice, ornate fence, various shrubs, neatly decorating our yards. A tall, tan, vinyl fence runs along the backyards of most properties, facing the woods that surround the development. A few ranch-style homes are dotted throughout as well, with similar fences and yard decor. Our neighbor's home is a double-wide that was dropped onto the property. A cheap, short picket fence sits on the corners of his property, and the tree that's in his front yard is beginning to show signs of disease. His yard isn't as well-maintained as ours, and is usually an inch or two taller than mine. Asking our neighbors about it, they said that the man owned the land when the development came in, and he refused to sell. He dropped the trailer onto the land, creating the driveway and the yard on his own property from his own pocket. The developers hated him as his actions drove down a few property values near his home. So, as I was saying, he's different. I've waved to the guy a few times just to be cordial, and he waved back. I've never seen him leave for work or really go anywhere that often. He leaves every Sunday for about two hours and comes back with groceries. Other than that, he stays in his home. Neighbors told me that his parents had money and passed away years ago, leaving it all to him. He invested with some financial advisors and very slowly spends the rest. He seemed normal that first year, but it was when the leaves began to change color that I saw him begin to change. Once leaves begin to fall from trees, It's like a switch goes off in his head. I'll see this guy out in his yard most of the day, actually vacuuming his lawn. Like, a shop vac to sweep up the leaves. Then he takes a damn Dyson over it again to get the little cracks between the blades of grass. I'll see him crawling on his hands and knees, up and down his sidewalk with knee pads and gloves on, snipping at the edges of the yard against the sidewalk, driveway, and road with a pair of scissors. Yeah, scissors. Then every few days, you'll hear him slam his door and run into his yard, jumping onto it and smacking it repeatedly with his fists. Then he just gets up and goes inside, shutting the door calmly like nothing happened. Now, I gotta give this guy credit where credit is due. He's the strangest person when fall arrives, but he has an amazing Halloween display the guy must have spent a huge chunk of his parents' money on his decorations. From end to end of his property during October, the guy has all sorts of decorations, like literally thousands of plastic pumpkins hung on trees lining his sidewalk all over his porch, hundreds of skeletons in different scenes and poses, a few dozen blow-up decorations, sheets with projectors projecting spooky scenes and scary music, He has creepy, realistic mummies, werewolves, witches, and more. They aren't the cheap plastic things you find at a Halloween store. They had to be custom-made from a professional prop maker or something. No one in the development could ever top this guy. His basement must be entirely packed to the brim with decorations during the year. The first year we lived in the house, I watched our neighbor change. He went from his weekly trip to the grocery store, to his strange vacuuming, scissor-grass-cutting, long-beating alter ego. Then I heard the stories of the kids going missing. I heard the rumors of how they were found. And this guy is the top suspect in my eyes. Kids being found with decorations all around them. Really good decorations. And my neighbor was the only one who seemed to have that kind of collection. I held my daughter a bit closer when the leaves began to change colors. A child went missing in late September. I remember reading the headline on TV as my wife and daughter got ready for work and school. A young boy, seven years old, was taken during the night. The parents woke up and their child was gone. No sign of him to be found. Our neighbor began putting up decorations the next day. The child was found almost a mile away from his home. Rumors got to me that he was positioned in a crude scene of gravestones, the child buried just under the ground, their arms sticking up as if they were emerging from the grave. The second year we were there, a young girl went missing, six years old, the age that my daughter now is. She was found on the other side of the city, over two highways and across a river. A small clearing had been carved from the woods and a small patch of corn was planted earlier in the year. The young girl was found with her arms nailed to a makeshift cross, her clothes stuffed with hay, and the crude depiction of a scarecrow was drawn on her face. In all of these disappearances, there had been no evidence of sexual abuse to these kids. Whoever was doing this seemed to only enjoy the kill and setting up their little scenes. This year... I wanted to make sure that my kid wasn't about to be taken by this freak. I bought a security camera and a small outdoor camera that was solar powered and can be viewed by my phone. It was smaller than a trail cam but larger than a GoPro. I placed the security camera on my second floor, angled out towards my neighbor's house, getting a good view and seeing all of his comings and goings that he would be doing. I waited until Sunday rolled around. I watched my camera feed as my neighbor walked out of his house, strolled down his sidewalk to his car, and got in, driving away to get his groceries. I knew I would have two hours to place my camera, but I would only need 15 minutes. I slipped downstairs, tiptoeing in my own house, scared to even alert my family to what I was doing. I cracked open the back door, trying way too hard to act normal. I stepped onto my back porch, small camera in hand, I stood on the porch, swinging my arms and whistling a tune, walking around a few paces before leaning against the rail of the porch, looking around towards my neighbor's house nonchalantly, no sign of movement. I scampered down the porch stairs and walked quickly across my grassy backyard to the edge of my fence. I looked back at my house, making sure all of the curtains were closed. Yep, privacy confirmed. I jumped. Peeking over the fence and looking down the road. Didn't get a good look. I jumped again, looking around and saw no cars. I opened the door on my fence near the house and stepped out, latching it behind me. I power walked halfway across the front yard and into the side yard of my neighbor. I looked quickly around to see if anyone was sighting my strange infiltration. No. I ran quickly and quietly, movement exaggerated as I ran trying to stay low and being ready to hide if anyone were to walk or drive by. I stepped behind the house, out of sight of my other neighbors and of my own home, into the backyard of this strange man. He had a small porch, maybe half the size of mine, and a shed in the yard, probably for his lawnmower I've seen him riding. I snuck to the edge of his yard by the shed and placed the camera near it, giving me a view of his backyard, porch, and back door. I snuck home, slipping through the gate in my fence and back up my porch and through the back door. I went about my business until I heard his car door slam, letting me know he was home. I looked at my camera feed of the front of his house and saw him walking up the sidewalk, grocery bags in hand. He went inside and closed the door. I sat staring at the camera, waiting for him to come outside, to move a curtain, to do anything. My wife touched my shoulder and asked if I was okay. She had seen me looking at the screen when she had gone out to run some errands. When she came back, I was still staring. It had been two and a half hours. The next day was the first of October. Like clockwork, at dawn, I heard the neighbor moving stuff out of his basement and into the yard. I jumped out of bed and quickly grabbed my phone, opening the app for the wireless camera I had set up in his backyard. I walked quietly out onto the porch. Coffee in one hand, and my little portal into the yard next door in my other. My phone showed me the sight I wanted to see. The basement door of the house was open, and I saw my neighbor moving boxes outside. The video feed had about a five-second delay, because when he set a box down loudly, I could hear it before he set it down in my video feed. I downed my coffee and went inside to get another one. He had moved a few dozen boxes and was beginning to unload them and sort the contents into piles, organizing them into the area that they would eventually end up out in the front yard. I changed from a cup to a thermos to hold my coffee between my second and third cups so I could stay on the porch and be closer to this guy. Hearing the noises that he made gave me a feeling that I couldn't explain. When he made his move, I would be ready for him. His strange antics that we saw in the front yard didn't seem to end in the backyard. As he unboxed his decorations, he began sorting them, and they started to become larger and larger piles. Pumpkins of all different shapes Sizes and colors made up this mountain of random faces. A large orange thing with a grinning face etched in black. With a smile, my neighbor set the pumpkin on the pile and did a small hop of pleasure and clapped his hands once. He then turned and went inside the basement quickly, turning the corner and disappearing from my camera's sight. I sat up, glancing over my fence into his backyard, The orange pile of pumpkins was visible from where I was stationed. What was he doing? I heard a crash from the direction of the double-wide and was about to stand up when my eye caught movement on my phone. My neighbor walked out, shouldering a large, rolled-up, ornate-looking rug that must have been 12 feet long and seemed nearly as wide. I watched dumbfounded as he meticulously unrolled the rug on the ground in front of the pumpkins he made sure that it was laid out perfectly pulling corners and adjusting it just right then he reached into his pocket and pulled out a vial or a jar of something he sprinkled whatever was in the jar onto his hand and threw it over the rug and then put the container back and then he walked He walked around that rug about a dozen times before stopping and walked into the center of it. He knelt, facing the pumpkins, and bowed. It almost looked like he was worshipping these decorations. He didn't bow constantly, up and down, up and down. He just got on his knees and bowed once until his face was on the rug, and then he sat there, I just stared at my phone screen for what seemed like ages before he finally raised himself back up. I sat for most of the morning watching him do this. My daughter came down and I made her breakfast, my eyes rarely ever leaving my phone screen as I cooked. He set out decorations and did this little ritual for skeletons, ghosts, witches, blow-up decorations, and a few other sets of random things that I couldn't identify. My wife told me that she and my daughter were going to her parents for most of the day. She gave me a list of things to do around the house, and I set out cleaning up a few rooms, throwing sticks and branches that fell from trees over the fence, and other odds and ends that needed done. As I finished up my last chore, I looked at my phone, I realized I hadn't seen my neighbor in the backyard for a few minutes. I went upstairs and looked at my camera feed of his front yard. He was in the middle of getting into his car, preparing to leave. It wasn't his grocery day. Where the hell was he going? I ran downstairs and out the door. I raced to my car and climbed in it, starting the engine and backing out of the driveway quickly. I pressed on the gas and flew to where he had gone just seeing the end of his old green car turn the corner. It took me a minute or two to catch up, but I did. I followed him at a distance that I deemed normal, just far enough away that I couldn't lose him. We turned and went towards town. He wasn't driving as if he were on a mission. He went the speed limit, signaled, and drove smoothly and calmly. We turned into the parking lot of the mall. Is this where he was going to steal somebody this year? Grab them and turn them into one of his little scenes? He turned into the parking garage and sped up the ramp. I followed behind him, making sure not to get too close. On one of the middle floors, he turned. I've been to the mall before and have gone in this parking garage many times. The middle decks that he pulled into usually have no one on them. I kept driving up another three or four levels, and I parked. I jogged over to the walkway that led to the entrance of the mall, and I sat on a bench. I looked around, waiting for my neighbor to appear from the elevator or the stairwell. I waited and waited and waited until my butt hurt. I stood up and I walked into the mall to grab a soda and some lunch, frustrated. I was sitting in the food court, eating a hot dog. My eyes looking around constantly for my neighbor. Was he still in the parking garage? Had he met someone there, and exchanged details with someone about the killing? I stood up and walked towards the center of the mall, where I could look down to the floors below. I sat there and leaned against the railing, watching people go by with their various bags of crap from all around the stores. Then he caught my eye. Coming out of a candle store was my neighbor. He had multiple bags of candles, their rounded shapes poking through the bag like small souls trapped by a killer of children. I followed him along the mall, me on the top floor and him a floor below me. He walked quickly, having somewhere to be. I realized a bit too late that he was leaving the mall. He had come in the entrance on the other side of the parking garage than I had come in. Once I realized this, I began sprinting for my car, trying to get to it before he reached his. I got in my car and I sped down the ramps, hoping to see his car driving through the garage, but I didn't. I drove out of the parking complex and left, not seeing his car anywhere. I hit the steering wheel with my fist and I yelled out some swears and began driving home. When I arrived, his car was already in the driveway. This made me angry. He had outsmarted me. Did he know I was following him? Was he on to me? Did he find my camera in his yard? I walked inside of my house. My wife and daughter hadn't returned yet. I looked at the camera feed on my phone. Piles of decorations lie in his yard, and in the middle of it all, he sat, cross-legged and staring off into nothing. I must have watched that camera off and on for an hour, and he never freaking moved. My family arrived home, and we had dinner. I just couldn't get the thoughts of my neighbor out of my head. He had to be getting ready to kill. He had to. The next few days, he set up his decorations. I watched as his yard slowly went from empty to overflowing. Skeletons sword fighting, a whole pumpkin tree, life-sized werewolves, witches, hundreds of gravestones, ghosts, goblins, ghouls, all in different scenes across his yard, probably practice for what he was going to do later. He continued his oddities after the decorations were up. Each day on my camera, I would see him in his backyard. He would be dressed up in different costumes, hopping around, shouting, playing like a kid would. I have to admit, I chuckled every time I saw it. A ghost, Spider-Man, a scarecrow, a bad Frankenstein monster. His costumes were mediocre compared to his decorations, and he did it behind his house where no one would see him. It was roughly October 6th, a Sunday, when I saw my neighbor leave his house again. I didn't follow him this time. I knew this would be a normal grocery day. I kept my eyes peeled when he pulled into his driveway, though, and spotted something strange in his car. In the trunk, there was a lining of plastic wrap, like he was trying to keep something from staining his car. Blood from a victim, maybe? He could have already done the crime and I missed it. He took his groceries into his home and remained there for the rest of the day. I had to do something. Maybe I could sneak into his house and find some evidence. But what happens when he comes home and sees something is missing or disturbed? I could just keep following the guy, but work wouldn't let me do that if he did something during the day. I told my wife that I would watch my daughter today while she did errands. We played outside in the yard. Different pretend games where I was a monster chasing her. I stopped playing for a bit as I was tired and walked onto the porch to have a drink of tea. As I sat there watching my daughter play, a plan formed in my head. My neighbor could just be waiting for the right opportunity to present itself waiting to strike unseen. Maybe I could use my daughter as a sort of bait? Luring him to take her and catch him in the act? Detain him and call the police? I'd be a hero. People would remember me forever as the guy that caught the Dorseyville Slayer. I started enacting my plan. My daughter and I went on a bit of a shopping spree at the local big box hardware store. I bought her a playset with swings and a slide, a trampoline, anything else her little heart desired. We came home, and I went to work, having a great time building her new little worlds together. The playset and trampolines were in the backyard. I used a second camera from the same pack that I bought to use on my neighbor's front yard to monitor my backyard. Another discreet camera in the window, looking at part of my backyard, and over the fence into his side yard, getting a small glimpse into the back and the front. Any chance we got, after school and after work, we played in the yard. During that time, I made sure to leave my daughter alone for nearly an hour around the same time each day while I went and relaxed for a bit. In reality, I was watching the cameras, waiting for him to act on his sick fantasies. The first day or two, I didn't notice anything. Then, I saw him in his backyard. Just out of sight of the cameras in my house, but in plain sight of my secret camera in his backyard. Each day, he would step out a little bit further, trying to get a better look at my yard. Eventually, he came into the sight of my camera facing my own backyard. I sat, watching this sick guy just stare at my daughter. Every few minutes, he would twitch or tick, rub his hands together, or scratch his arms, as if he were trying to suppress some dark urge to do something evil. October 14th. I played with my daughter, and we had a great time, jumping on the trampoline, swinging and sliding together. I noticed that our neighbor was setting up more decorations, or reorganizing and resetting where some already were. I went inside for my hour-long daily break. I watched him in the camera that was facing the front of his house, waiting to see him stand, move, look at my backyard and daughter and stare beginning his little ticks i had been watching him move things for about 25 minutes when i looked at the camera feed for my backyard my daughter wasn't playing there i clicked on the camera and rewound the footage there was my daughter jumping on the trampoline just in frame and then i see her stop looking towards the back of the yard behind the house in the woods I see her do a motion with her finger pointing to herself as if to say me? and then I saw her climb off the trampoline and run out of frame I tore through my house and down the stairs almost breaking the back door as I threw it open I didn't see my daughter I yelled for her I screamed her name into the woods but I heard no reply my neighbor came over and knocked on the gate to my fence. I ran over to it and opened the door, seeing that monster standing there with a stupid look on his face, acting like he was curious to see what the commotion was. I yelled. I screamed at the top of my lungs at him. I walked towards him, knowing that he had something to do with her disappearance. I didn't know exactly how, but I was going to find out. I shoved him onto the ground, and he backed away in fear. His hands flailed, and he mumbled some sort of sound. I stood over him, fist clenched, ready to beat this man within an inch of his life to find my little girl. He pointed to his ears and his mouth, and he shook his head, hands flailing in an incoherent pattern. Are you trying to distract me from something, you creep? He started to sit forward and reached for his back pocket, pulling a notepad and now bent pen from his pocket, and began scribbling. He handed me the note with a smile that was forced from fear. I looked at the scrawled writing on the pad. I'm mute and deaf. I saw you yelling and wanted to know if you needed help. No, 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 no. My mind was racing. He had to be the one. The decorations, the strange behavior. It had to be him but it couldn't be. I had footage of him working in his backyard as my daughter was lured right out of my yard, right out of my home, right out from under me, as I was only feet away. I fell over, against my fence, beginning to cry. I slid down on my back like the tears that were running down my face. She was gone. I felt an arm on my shoulder. Opening my eyes, I could see my neighbor standing above me. He held out a notepad. I motioned for the pen. I wrote down that my daughter was missing. His eyes went wide and he looked around. Then he wrote on the pad, Call police. I called the police and told them my daughter was missing. It had only happened a half hour ago. Search teams flew around the area in what seemed like a few seconds after hanging up the phone. Helicopters with thermal imaging saw something not far from my house. Police teams swarmed the woods around us. The clearing they found was horrific, just like every other one that was discovered, tied in various spots to a framework that kept her body in the position he wanted. Her arm was outstretched and holding onto a rope that led to a small pool in the center of the scene. The bodies of two other children were there, from towns farther away, dozens of miles from where my house was. The kids were posed to look like they were skipping, playing a game. There were three other ropes on the pole, three other victims that could have been. The killer was caught setting my daughter into his gross scene, a deranged man from Dorseyville, that led a normal life. During the year, he planned his little decorative scene and went about creating it with no one seeing. He had been around my development just a mile into the woods, creating a scene for his child victims to be placed on. He was quoted as saying, this year was going to be my greatest show yet. I caught the Dorseyville Slayer, only I was wrong about everything. And it cost me everything. My daughter was dead. My wife couldn't forgive me for using our daughter as bait for a monster and divorced me soon after. I live in our home, alone. Tim and I became, I guess, friends in the long term. I don't know if it's because he pities me, but I'm thankful for him. I asked him about his strange behaviors regarding the yard and the other strange things he does. In a much more succinct way, he told me that when he was maybe 10 or 12, he had some sort of traumatic experience. He didn't go into detail about exactly what happened, but he explained that his brain kind of shuts off for a bit. During that time, he relives parts of his childhood, He would cut grass around the edge of his parents' yard with scissors, because he enjoyed watching the scissors cut cleanly. The vacuuming he can't explain. It just happens for some reason. He dresses up in costumes and played in the yard, like I had seen, reliving a moment from when he was younger, making the costumes himself during these forgotten moments. He thinks that it's something with the color of the leaves or just realizing the time of year that causes his brain to relive parts of his life, to repress the thoughts of the traumatic events. Tim comes by regularly, a few times a week. I've picked up some sign language and have begun talking with him using it. Words I don't know I write on a pad and we learn it. It's been three years since my daughter was killed. Three years since I thought that my neighbor was a monster. And three years since I was actually, truly happy. The two of us set up Tim's decorations each year. And each year it's bigger and more grandiose than the year before. The decorations have begun spreading into my yard, slowly becoming one massive grand sight. To behold I'll never forgive myself For what I did For using her as bait Or for thinking that Tim was a monster When he was just a bit different Trying to forget A horrible thing that happened to him Life moves on And I have to go with it Even if it isn't the life I want I have to live With my decisions Even the life changing ones I wish my story had a better ending In trying to catch a monster, without knowing it, I became one myself. I hope you enjoyed the first of the Halloween specials. In two weeks, there will be another free story. But, if you want to support the Patreon now, you can listen to almost three hours of exclusive stories. And you will have another Halloween special next week, instead of in two weeks. Go to patreon.com slash khp to listen. Rate and review us on iTunes. Follow the show on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and YouTube. Thanks for listening.